friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I have with me today none other than leadership legend, Dr. Jeannie Mayo is in the house today. Dr. Mayo, how you doing? I am absolutely staggeringly great and thanks for your wonderful introduction you're too nice i hope i can find the music that introduced michael jordan and just put it on the background as i introduce you nice and now starting (laughs) for notre dame Jeannie mayo thank you very 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 much And the crowd sits down. And, and so the crowd crazy. goes crazy. No, I like it. Nice. Uh, we nice. have Dr. Mayo with us today. She is going to be speaking with us on a very important topic. The subject of our podcast today is what do leaders need to be doing and developing right now in their hearts and their minds and their skills and their character uh, to be able to be a success in this new and wacky world we find ourselves in right now. I cannot think of anyone I would rather be speaking to right now than uh, Jeannie Mayo. She has truly been uh, one of those leadership voices of a generation, and uh, we are greatly honored to have you, Jeannie. Thank you. I'm honored for real, Daniel. Yes, ma'am. Would you please take us to the Lord in prayer and bless our conversation? I would love to. Jesus, we're all sick of being challenged. We want to be changed, even little inch by inch. So take the simple thoughts we have today, because information is rampant, and bury some of it by your anointing into our hearts and lives. May it bring encouragement to people who need encouragement, a kick in the pants, to people who need a kick in the pants, and thanks that you still let us do something that ripples into eternity. In Christ's name, amen. Amen and amen. Uh, for those of you who are just beginning to hop on to the broadcast, we are with Dr. Jeannie Mayo. She has been a leadership voice in our generation, not only for youth ministry, but for ministry and beyond. Uh, She has children and grandchildren in the faith. She has launched and released uh, many hundreds upon hundreds of leaders, and we are privileged to have her today to speak for a few moments on the subject of what we need to be doing now, developing now in our hearts and minds, our skill sets to be able to set ourselves up for a successful future. Uh, Dr. Mayo, I am just grateful to have you today, and I want to turn you loose. What is on your heart right now? Gosh, what, Daniel, what uh, an awesome and massive topic. So, of course, I'm not going to cover near all the things that my mentoring heart would want to touch. I'll touch on just a few that come really near the top as I look at emerging leaders and just current leaders, not all just emerging. Um, Interestingly, I did some research on uh, what was Jesus Christ's first leadership lesson to his disciples, because obviously that would tell me a great deal as he looked at, at the 70 
And Luke 10 gives it to us. Everybody's familiar. Starting verse 17, I'll read it. And the 70 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I've given you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, overcome the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. However, verse 20, do not rejoice, key phrase, rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So I think the first thing I would say to other leaders around me, uh, remember not to mismanage your joy. And I'll make sense out of that for a little bit. Jesus says, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but instead rejoice that your names are written in heaven, in the book of life. Once you're in the ministry for about one hour, you quickly find that results and people's approval comes and goes. And it is really easy to be like the 70, to return with joy. Lord, well, you know, we said in the name of Jesus and the demons all came flying out. But see, Jesus knew that a couple of chapters later, they were going to hit some spirits that didn't respond to them initially. And he was saying, boys, you're not going to stay in the game long haul or women, whoever, unless you understand where you anchor your source of joy. And it can't be in your church growth. It can't be in the results of obvious uh, response to a, a message at, at your invitation time. It sure can't be in what people think of you. And that's been massive for me, Daniel, because gosh, life has ups and downs and highs and lows. Uh, my wonderful hero and husband, Sam, that I did ministry with, I've been doing full-time ministry 52 years and I'm still, gosh, I couldn't think, I don't know what the word retire means. So I'm still going strong, but he uh, was terminated twice. And of course I left with him. So it's not like our journey was without bumps and then he passed away from, he had a stroke and it kicked him into a serious form of dementia called Lewy body I'd never heard of before. And uh, I was privileged to keep him at home. I hired a caregiver during the day and then I took care of him in the evenings and then through the early morning hours. But the issue is all of us, including me, have had a whole lot of things to, to look at and Thank gosh, life stinks, you know, and and so it has been so important to anchor my joy in the fact that my name really is written in the book of life. And that sounds so simple. We all know. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get to the next one. No, that's a big deal because that sticks with me, whether somebody is fired or not. That sticks with me, whether the deacons like me or not. That stays with me. If I'm out of money or if I have money, if I feel like I've been totally misunderstood or lied about, all this stuff we all experience. So that would be the big one. And you just interrupt me, Daniel, anytime you want to. Well, I've learned uh, after many interviews that it's good to just let the, the, uh, the interviewee speak okay. until they're done because you're, you're really... Uh, bringing out a meaningful subject. I love this passage that you brought up. It's one of my favorite, truly, uh, because Jesus kind of points out uh, that phrase there at the end, guys, 
I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's, let me translate. He's been defeated for a really long time. Right, right. This isn't a big deal. This isn't as big a deal as you think it is. But right. what is a big deal is you're rescued. You're on your way to heaven. Yeah, you know, you're not like this, hell anymore. Good. Yeah. And right. I just, I really want you to dig a little deeper into this because we find our identity as leaders so much in what we do and the results thereof. And that is such a shaky foundation for joy. And I think joy is so important for us right now. When we look at all that's happening in the world and the craziness that's happening, if we don't have our joy, we don't have our strength. So please talk to us a little bit more on this. We need to hang on this topic for a little bit. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to what might be a second a second point, but it really goes to exactly what you're saying. It really kind of uh, comes with point number one. Uh, secondly, as I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I anchor my joys? And of course, different whole topic, learning to control my, my self-talk, my inward thoughts. You know, we all know the scriptures about bring your thoughts into captivity. We all know you know, how important our thoughts are. Aristotle says, as a man thinks, though so he is. But but the reality is, again, oftentimes our joy, see, I, I often say right actions produce right feelings. But we turn around, we think right feelings, joy produces right actions. When you're a true follower of Christ, right actions, right choices, pardon me, will create the right feelings and your happiness will be anchored. And uh, gosh, Daniel, there are a lot of times that, to be honest with you, I think all of us in ministry need to remind ourselves heaven and hell are for real. I mean, you can preach about it so much that it's, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big deal. But let me zoom to the second major point that I, it connects to this one. Secondly, if I was talking to people and say, what have you got to cultivate in ministry uh, to be effective? I would, I would say uh, prioritize growing grit, G-R-I-T. Uh, that sounds so simple. It's not simple. Angela Duckworth wrote a secular book called Grit that I would highly recommend. And she took it purely from uh, a secular viewpoint, did a mountain of research. She calls it grit, colon, the power of perseverance and passion. You can can buy it online. It's real easy. She opens by talking about the process at West Point uh, called the beast, where they put new candidates through for the first couple of months. And they come out with, at the end of that two months, something called a whole candidate score. And they thought at West Point for many years that the whole candidate score, who did best academically, uh, athletically, leadership-wise, intellectually, emotionally, all of that, who did best there would translate to the field when they went to the field, who the real the real generals as it were, the real difference makers were in the field of battle. And they found not so. You could have at the end of the beast, the two month opening, which by the way, many people quit. They've tried to get into West Point for two years. The beast is so hard, they quit. 
in the opening couple of months. But um, they found that that the the total candidate score had nothing to do with really who became the most essential uh, on the field of battle. And she said the only one figure that they saw, which was consistent through all of it, was endurance. Wow. Grit. Wow. Grit. And, um, you know, she, and she says a lot of things in the book you'll enjoy. She says, research-wise, remember that you can grow grit, which I'll talk about that in a minute. It's not just a DNA thing. But uh, she talks about our society being painfully distracted by talent. And I think that really pegs the church world now very distracted by the great speakers on stage, the great musicians. And unfortunately, we've allowed Daniel talent to become a suitable replacement for authentic anointing. Wow. Mm. And I think it breaks the that Lord's hurts. heart. That hurts. I think it breaks the Lord's heart. And Absolutely. so, so I, you know, her comments and it's again, from research, she gets, she says that her research verifies that effort and endurance counts twice as much as talent in the long haul ultimate success of a person. And it's really interesting. She says grit is combined with passion and endurance. And when all the high achievers unlock the, the message of passion, it had nothing to do with feeling. And that's important that we all hear. Gosh, if I only did the ministry when I felt like it, I would have quit a long time ago. You know, people say it's different now. They don't feel it as much. Well, so what? Uh, passion during her research was connected to choice and, and sincerity of commitment, not any sense of feeling. So when she says grit comes from passion and endurance, how much you're choosing hour by hour to be all the way in the game, you know, and then again, staying in the game. And let me just talk to you real quickly again from her research. Uh, lots of great things in the book, but she says you grow grit by focusing on four things uh, from her research again, interest, number one. She says, you're not going to be gritty at something you don't enjoy doing. And of course, we all have parts of the ministry we don't enjoy. What's new? But be careful who you put yourself around, because I'm in several green rooms where people are so privately cynical and negative. And, and again, I'm not a Pollyanna. I'm not, oh, everything's great. But on the other hand, gosh, I, I still do. Here's the, my three biggest accomplishments in in this ministry run i still very much love jesus number two i very much love my family and they would tell you i was sam would say i was a, a a pretty smashing wife my my two adult sons are both in the ministry and say amazing mom um, my grandsons think i'm the best nana in the world so that's number two but number three is the one i think is most concerning to me now i still love the local church the local church has fired my husband a couple of times, but overall wise, I still love this. I hope you can kind of sense this on this podcast. 
I'm not just turning something on. I was, I'm on the road almost every weekend now. I run the cadres, my mentoring ministry uh, all through the year. I do platinum leadership coaching. I do prevail coaching for mastermind for women, but I still love this. Right. I still love this. And so, you know, again, you're not going to grow grit if it's on a field that you're not really interested in. Like, let me tell you, you'd never, I'm never going to grow grit on technology. So let's, that's all I need to say there because I don't give a rip about it. I know I've got to figure it out, but my, my staff is amazing. Number two, you grow grit by practice. And you know, uh, that sense of whatever it takes, I want to improve. And uh, gosh, you know, I'm still learning, reading, listening uh, on the whole thing of, of, again, how can I get better at this overall run of my speaking, my leadership? Uh, gosh, that's still a massive deal, practice. And, and again, I've said to people before, I've been in full-time ministry 52 years. If I'm not relatively okay at some of it, I'm an idiot. So, uh, you know, not too impressive. Number three is purpose. You focus on purpose. Uh, whatever ripens your passion and grit feeds the sense that you're, whatever you're doing matters. You know, my life mission is the motivation and mentorship of kamikaze Christianity into practicing and potential kingdom champions. And that, that keeps me going, my, my purpose. And then the last thing that she said, you have to intentionally focus on these four to grow grit is hope. And this is interesting. She says, hope does not define the last stage of grit. I'm quoting her. It defines every stage from wow. the very first to the end uh, when things are going great or when things stink and we all have them, you know, hope, hope defines it's Napoleon Bonaparte who says the greatest leaders in all of the universe are dispensers of hope. And so again, huge news to all of yeah. us. Yeah. Grit, just yeah. be gritty. And then let me let me do one more. And then because I want to give you time to dialogue and there's so much I'm looking at my notes and trying to decide what I want to leave out. Uh, I can say so many things. First of all, let me just throw this one in. Please understand as a leader in the ministry you need to be leaving a footprint of people over programs. Now, there's nothing wrong with programs. I help design several of them. But my, my fear, and I'm not going to talk about it long, my fear is that we have lost touch. And I know not everybody's called to be a pastor shepherd. I understand that. I know we all have different callings in the fivefold gift. But the bottom line is, Jesus didn't die for the masses. He died for one person at a time. You know, and that quote we've all heard, do for one person what you wish you could do for many. So I won't stay on that, but that's massive. Yeah, yeah. Get Dr. out of the people business. You're out of ministry. Yeah. And then let me do one last, and there's so many more, but 
I would just say again, for all of us, and it goes without saying, but it's said more than it's lived, to stay in, in the game and make an effective imprint for Christ, you have to concentrate on consistent soul tending, S-O-U-L tending. Uh, one of my husband's absolute signatures uh, was what he called his daily appointment time with Jesus. He didn't want to call it quiet time or devotional time. He felt like that was too menial in its, its response. For me, I, I now say to myself, and this is just me, Jeannie, five out of seven days a week is a successful week. Now, again, if I go seven out of seven, wonderful. But I am the kind of person that I don't deal with failure very well. So there are going to be some mornings, and I have my time with the Lord in the morning simply because I can control morning. Now, I may come back and have some special time in the evening, and that's cool. But I, I can control morning. And I have learned that it's not so much a matter of how long, but that consistently, consistency will outrank any amount of, let me wait until I have uh, more time. And I love a couple of thoughts that I wrote down here. When I live with the stress of an overwhelmed schedule, I soon ache with the sadness of an underwhelmed soul. And, and so, you know, we all know the answers. And I wanna say again, I hear so many people talk about their, their time with the Lord and make it sound like the angels are always dancing on the Bible when they read and they're feeling the presence of the Holy of Holies every time they pray and worship. Now, I think that's amazing. And I wanna say, I would like that. I would like that. And when I was younger in my faith, I had a whole lot more. But kind of like my marriage, Daniel, I love my husband fiercely all the way through, but you know what? After, I don't know, a year or two, I have no idea, a bunch of the tingles no longer came when he walked into the room. And, and again, I think it's so precious that we learn, hey, you have your daily appointment time with Jesus and do not evaluate even it by if you're feeling uh, I think of it as putting it into deposit and I will withdraw the strength and the leadership and the discernment and the wisdom when I need it. And, and you know, in the soul tending, you know, you, you've read the old thing I quoted often, others may, I may not. I think as a leader, as I tend my soul, I have to remind myself often what I as a leader do in moderation gives liberty to others to do in excess. And so there are several things and I'm not saying we'll send a person to hell, but as a leader, an example, I back away from those things. And those aren't just habits. They can be habits or recreation, but those are also attitudes in my soul tending. I, I, I had better be pretty intentional about cultivating the fruit of the spirit. You know, Jeannie, you have said some pretty amazing things over the last many minutes and certainly too much to cover in one 
conversation, but there is one thing that you said a moment ago that really sparked my interest, and I'd like for you to comment on it a little bit further. You used the word deposit, making deposits. Um, it's not really about the feelings, but making deposits. And, and so, you know, what that really brought to my mind was the scripture verse that tells us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, would store things up in her heart. And right. that literally means safety deposit box. It's like, a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this away in a safe place so that when I need it, I can pull it back out again and use it. And I think, man, wow, can you imagine how she needed to access some of those truths, you know, to remind herself that uh, she was a conduit for the savior of the world. And so I think that as we go through the challenges that we're all facing as leaders, the different things that we have to navigate, the different moments we have to adapt and shift and pivot and all the buzzwords that we're hearing, um, I think that if we're not making those daily deposits, we're not going to have anything to draw upon. And that's going to lead to burnout. Would you reflect on that for a moment? Yeah, I Number one, I, I hosted Daniel nine National Youth Leaders Conferences, have about 3,000 people at each one. One of them I did before they, it was easy access on every, everybody's phone. I rented keypads that could quickly correlate. You've seen it a million times in the audience. And what I asked many of, of those leaders was without lying or exaggerating because nobody will see your answer. How many of you have anything close to um, a, a daily time, just not in searching for your message, but with Jesus, even if it's 10 minutes and 10 minutes in prayer and the word, how many of you have that even five or four times a week? I went down to four and it was interesting the number of people who responded because there was no reason to lie. Nobody's going to see only 17% in the room said there was something consistent. Now, again, people study for sermons, but that's like making God uh, a work associate and you're a hireling, not a son or a daughter. So I think it's really easy. Like I've been called in for many of the ministerial explosions. Uh, I'm helping a pastor and his wife right now, who if I said the name, Everybody probably would recognize the name. But the point is, I've never known somebody who had an implosion of, especially of sin, who had anything close to a quiet time. I just have, and I mean, this is 52 years of being called in. Uh, I think what I have to remind myself is when I put money in the bank, I put it somewhere that it can slowly grow with interest. And that's really what my time as I put deposits in, you know, I mean, I'm probably, probably not going to feel anything. I'm not going to, you know, uh, always be jumping around. Matter of fact, <clears throat> a few hours later, I may even forget what I read. Um, but the reality is that consistency puts a hedge around me. And, and, but it's really easy because again, I think most of us talk about reading the Bible and prayer personally, and I, I wouldn't dare to guess the percentages. Um, 
but, and boy, it's not just youth pastors. Most of the people I've been called in to help some youth pastors, but an awful lot of them, like the current ones, senior leadership. Yeah. You know, I was actually at one of those national youth leader summits that you uh, hosted. I believe it was in the Dallas area back in the late 2000s. And uh, it was, a you know, thousands of people in the room. And we did this anonymous survey. And I remember uh, one of the questions had to do with how many of you have personally sought out pornography? And that number was way more than 17%. And it's like, you know what, the Bible talks about sin crouching at the door. And I believe in this hour, it's no longer crouching at the door, it's breaking your door down. You know, it's very aggressive. There's something very militant, very aggressive about the enemy's work right now. And uh, we cannot afford to skip uh, our times with Jesus. I mean, it seems so elementary. It's what we're teaching children. It's what we're teaching youth. And then somehow we think we mature past those desires, mature past those needs. And we just cannot outgrow because what's going to end up happening is we're going to start seeking out fulfillment in very unhealthy and sinful things. And we're not going to be armored up, you know, and if we do have some pieces of armor on, I think about Ahab who went into uh, battle and the Bible says a random arrow caught him in the chinks of the armor. Uh, every time somebody views pornography or lingers on a social media post or enters into an emotional connection with somebody, not their spouse, I mean, the chink in the armor grows and random arrows aren't really random. They're, they're assigned and, um, you know, Jeannie, I just really feel like there might be one or two or three roadblocks or obstacles that you have noticed over the last 52 years that have uh, crept into the life of the leader that prevents them from doing this, this one important thing, spending time with Jesus, not just working busily for him and serving him, but sitting at his feet, right? So what have you noticed have become the roadblocks that keep us from doing that most important thing? Oh, I think you are kidding yourself if you don't schedule your time with Jesus in. If you just say, I'll do it sometime in the morning. Uh, I think it doesn't, it does not occur. I think uh, the other roadblock that again, we all uh, really, easily kind of give into is procrastination. Well, I didn't make time today, but I will tomorrow. And we all know that tomorrow doesn't come because we keep pushing it off. Number three, we give in to the fact that our quiet time is invisible. Most of us in ministry have verbal gifts. I think it would be better for all of us if our ability to communicate, even if the anointing lifts, many of us can still communicate. Hmm. And we know the ropes and we're not trying to get up and say this morning, I will be a phony. Nonetheless, it gradually moves into that. I think, I think again, it's too easy to bluff. And again, you're not even trying to. I, I, nobody, I, you have to be away way gone to want to bluff but uh you go to the pulpit you do public ministry and it's almost um a liability that the enemy lets some of it go well 
and you think I'm fine, I'm fine. And then one other thing that creeps in, not only on your quiet time, but just your morality. I think, again, we don't tend our soul well. We don't take a Sabbath. We don't, we don't replenish ourselves emotionally. Realize that most burnout is emotional, not physical. And I can't say that enough. But, but remember that Samson, when he was tired, and this is such a big deal, when you're tired, watch where you lay your spiritual and emotional head. He put his head on Delilah's lap. Hmm. And I think many times, again, we, we just, when we're depleted emotionally, when we're depleted mentally, when, when we're discouraged on non, uh, we put our head for rest or replenishment in the wrong places. And, and therein does Delilah have a great, and Delilah, of course, is a type in the word of God of this society, this world. Absolutely. I would like for you to remark on, on one more thing as we wind down our conversation, which by the way, I've just been so grateful for your time. Everything you've said has been really, really meaningful and helpful and so practical. Uh, you know, sometimes when, when a person has served the Lord as you have for more than 50 years in ministry, now you've known the Lord longer than that, uh, a person can grow to become jaded, cynical, resentful, and even uh, grow a dislike or a disdain at the worst, uh, grow a disdain for people. Um, and, you know, people can be very frustrating. Um, we as leaders can frustrate our people. I Absolutely. mean, just human beings are, are frustrating creatures. And Absolutely. how have you remained interested? That was one of the four key points of grit. And I want to circle back around to that. It was the first point you made. And you said something kind of, it was a throwaway comment, but I think that's probably one of the keys is you said, I'm not interested in technology, but I've got a great staff. And it was just kind of this throwaway comment. And I thought there's more there because you've remained interested. You've, you've remained passionate and a desire to reach people, train leaders and so forth, probably because you've farmed out some of the things that don't light your fire. So would that be accurate? And, and am I touching on something important there? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. It's, uh, we've all heard of the Pareto principle, 20% of what you do gives you 80% of your important results, all in different, you know, Pareto and your family, a different set of Pareto in your ministry, a different set in your own personal walk with the Lord. And I just find it, and again, doesn't mean that everything I do, I enjoy. We all have tasks that we do that we like to farm out to somebody and nobody's waiting in line to do them. But the reality is, again, I've understood that if I could, as best I could, train others. And see, that's the trick. It takes a little while to train somebody else. And you do not have to have the ability to hire it. People all around are so willing to give themselves if they're equipped and if they're appreciated, um, you know, it is one thing to, to mobilize a volunteer to do something. It's another to keep reminding them how appreciated 
they are. And so, gosh, I've, I've had, I certainly have a wonderful staff, but I have amazing volunteers that help me pull off the cadre and several other things that I do that I could never do it without ever, ever, ever. Matter of fact, they pay money to fly here and because we host the cadres in the house and pay their own hotel. And I just could never be grateful enough. But the reality is again, um, they know how deeply appreciated I am and they know that their work is making a difference. Absolutely. Well, you've just outlined a few things that I know uh, Patrick Lencioni uh, outlines in his book, uh, The Signs of a Miserable Job, all come back to somebody not knowing why their job is important. They're not connecting the dots. They don't believe they're appreciated. Uh, they've lost sight of their purpose. These are all marks of, of, a, of a place nobody wants to be in. And when you create the value that you have brought to the table for 52 years, people are willing to uh, pay the money and, and do what they've got to do. You're, you're creating kamikaze leaders uh, that are willing to just give their lives for the cause of the kingdom. And so uh, when you've, but, but here's the thing, it's the long game. You didn't get there overnight. It took grit and a willingness to persevere. I was speaking with uh, one of my doctoral mentors and he said, Daniel, most PhDs are not really as smart as you think they are. They just refuse to quit. They're super persistent. And, um, you know, so many people go through the process of getting their doctorate and they stop right before the dissertation. They just quit. They just peter out. Right. And uh, I remember hearing uh, John Osteen uh, comment when somebody asked him, how did you become such a success? He goes, I think I just outlasted my friends. That's, that's all it is. So you have brought the key of persistence and grit to our forethought here and uh, to our, the, the fronts of our, our minds today. And I'm really appreciative. Um, Jeannie, I'm going to give you the last word and then I want you to take us to prayer. What would you say to us here at the end? I think if I had to say one more thing and I've alluded to it, um, make sure that you assign purpose to all your pain because there will be pain. There isn't any career field and the ministry certainly has spiritual warfare enough that I think maybe you get a little bit more there. Uh, after I'd gone through a very large, oh my goodness, um, I was standing at Keith Green's grave. Many people won't know that. And the scripture was, on his grave, except a corner wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And, and this thought came to me probably, I think from the Lord, and I've got it hanging now on a large uh, piece of wood in my kitchen because I've wanted to quit plenty, but I've assigned purpose to my pain. And here's the thought, history will be kind to me because by the grace of God, I will write it. Amen. And that's hopefully, you know, I'm going to outlive a bunch of people because I take so many vitamins. So I, I start to say, hopefully at my funeral, you'll all be able to say, but, you know, who knows? You know, I may, I'm hoping to be in one of those centurion books one day with people that are 100 and still feisty and fun. So, but at any rate, I want all of you who watch 
especially the people who've seen it up close to be able to say, hey, she, she made hell regret that he, they messed with her and that she wrote, despite the bumps, she wrote the legacy. Amen. Amen. Please take us to the Lord in prayer and uh, close us the way you began with God's blessing. Father, what a great way to start the day. Lord, we just want, uh, we want our lives to matter. We want uh, to do more than throw the word legacy around from posters and motivational things. We want by your grace to leave, whether we're young or medium age or older, we want to be legacy livers. Lord, we want to have a hundred X fold multiplication in our life, like you speak of in the gospel. So take some simple thought from this podcast and bless Daniel for all the years, all the hard work he does to put this out to people. What a gift he is to the body of Christ. So just use something, some one thought and let it encourage, let it provoke, challenge, refresh everybody who's listening today. And Lord, at the end of the run, through the good and the not good, may we be able to say history has been kind to us because by God's grace, we've gritted it out and we've chosen to write it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, we have been with Dr. Jeannie Mayo, someone who is no stranger to the leadership world. And man, this has been such an incredible conversation. Jeannie, if someone wants to get in touch with you or to see uh, how they might be a part of some of these incredible programs and mentorship opportunities, leadership training opportunities that you lead, what's the best website? Just go to uh, Jeannie Mayo. Dot com. It's J-E-A-N-N-E Mayo, M-A-Y-O.com. And you'll see the cadre there, which is the primary one. And then several platinum and prevail and all of my resources. All Very right. good. Very good. Do you have anything coming up soon that you want to plug? Anything important that you want to highlight here at the end? Oh, I'm starting... The cadre I've run for nearly 20 years. It used to be just for youth and young adult pastors. And now it's it's senior pastors, worship, children, youth, young adult, associate, the whole nine yards. And it's groups of 50 that I take under my wing for a year. It's the most impacting thing. And uh, you do two advances in my home. Uh, you'll see all the details. It's the game changer. I lose money on it, Daniel, which lets you know um, how much I believe in it. My board helps me underwrite it so I can hire the staffing around it. So I'm basically paying other people to let me uh, coach and mentor them. But I I just became a little wearied of just the genie Mayo on the platform. I wanted a chance to speak more personally. Yeah. And some lives. So that's the cadre is, is 
for me, the main deal. Absolutely. Well, you're curating opportunities for people to grow. And that is the most important thing. I love what you said at the very beginning. I've never heard it quite said just that way, but you said, I'm sick of being challenged. I want to be changed. And uh, wow, I don't know if that's original with you, but I'm going to tuck that away, deposit that right here and, and pull that out when I need to, because that was good. Thank you for challenging us, but also uh, helping us to see opportunities where God can change us and mold us into his image. Jeannie, thanks for being with me today. You're awesome, Daniel. My honor. Thank you for letting me be here.